for all things, for all things KC, KC, for everything Chiefs. It's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Welcome into another episode of It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Cody Tapp with you. Nick Schwart here as well. Kayla had to take the evening off, but that's fine because she missed absolutely nothing. Nothing. <laughs> He's obviously better off than talking about this. Nick, I wish we were both off of this podcast. You know why? Not because the Chiefs are 9-2, and two, which is objectively great. Not because the Chiefs are the front runner to win a Super Bowl or take on the AFC or play every playoff game at home again. But because that game was boring as hell. I want my money back. Did you spend money? Did you go? No, but I think I should be. I should, we should all be rewarded for having sat through that game. The Seahawks Raiders game went to overtime and ended on an 86 yard walk-off run from Josh Jacobs. I would so much have rather been watching that game. The chargers went for two in the, in like the final 15 seconds of the play to win their game against the Cardinals. I could have been watching that game. And instead I was watching the chiefs in a game in which I'm not sure they honestly cared to play the Rams because that game sucked to watch. It's fine. They won moving on. Right. But like, can you imagine like we do a 20 hour a week talk show in Kansas city, that game will supply two hours of the 20 hours (laughs) that needs to be done this week. Because what are the, you know, I know we're going to do a podcast and there are some things out of the game, but seriously, that was an unfun game to watch. Do you think that Andy Reid legitimately goes into weeks of preparation and says, okay, this team sucks. I don't want to show them much. We've got a big game against Cincinnati. Let's get out of here healthy. Do you think coaches actually think or verbalize that? I don't know if Andy Reid ever says it to a team, but there are way too many examples of Andy Reid doing it for it not to be true. How can it not be true? How is it that his most boring games are the like, Whatever wins against nobody teams, it's always his worst games to watch all year. And his best games to watch are always against the best teams. Like for years and years and years, there's just no way. There's just no way that it's an accident that he rolls into that game and he sees they're down to what string quarterback three. Okay. Well, not going to try real hard today. And I know it's not that, but it's just, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction and I'm not going to give the other teams like Cincinnati's won three games in a row. They're going to face Cincinnati coming up on Sunday. It is the only winning team left on their schedule. That's it. Oh, uh, and the Seahawks. I take it back. The Seahawks still have a winning record, but they're one game over 500. So they have two teams with a winning record remaining on their schedule. That's it. And one is Cincinnati, a team that actually matters to them, who beat them in the regular season and the AFC title game. Yeah, I think he rolled into this one saying, I can win a lot of ways. And honestly, Nick, as boring of his game they played, they won by 16, so he's not wrong. Yeah, but it didn't feel like it. It felt like a game they should have won by 40. Yeah. It was all the field goals. Like Harrison Bucker right now is getting treatment done on his right foot. Like, right? He is getting ice. He's stretched out. That foot put in some serious hours at the office today. Like, that's the star of the game. Just chip shot after chip shot after chip shot. That's why it felt like it wasn't a blowout because you felt like they had a million opportunities to score touchdowns. And they only came away with two of them. It's, I guess, and I don't know. I know we're going to talk about the red zone stuff here in a minute as it relates to the offense, but it's like, so what? 
So what? Did they just kicked a bunch of field? That game. What do you mean? So what? I don't. I didn't sign up for field goals. I signed up for field goals. Look, that's what made that's what made the game boring, right? That they just kept kicking the field goals. But it's just like you never, not for a single second, even after Mahomes threw that egregious pick, not for one second in this game did I ever think, oh no, I hope they're not in trouble. Because no, the game was boring and they were boring to watch. I guess here's the here's a simple question for you, Nick. Do you think the Chiefs played well on Sunday? Hmm. Usually, usually, if you're going to win by two scores in a game that was never particularly close, you would say that you had to play well. I would say they played fine. Right? This is the Rams. That's <laughs> a bad football team. Save the fact that Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford weren't out there, the two guys who led them to a Super Bowl last year. This was a bad football team, even when they had those guys. So they just became a worse football team, maybe the worst football team. Like that version of the Rams. Uh, not the Texans. The Texans is worse. Come I'm on. telling you, that version of the Rams that we saw today with Bryce Perkins at the helm, that might be the worst team in the NFL. So you did what you were supposed to do to them. Now, I would have liked to see you win by 20 or 30. The red zone defense, red zone offense stalled a little bit. But the flip side is the defense did exactly what they were supposed to do. They, I mean, they, with the exception of one drive, had a nearly perfect game. Sacks were there. The takeaways were there. They were constantly getting pressure. There was that one drive where Cam Akers ripped off a couple runs and then uh, Perkins made a, a couple good plays. But I think they played, they played fine. I don't know if I'm ready to elevate that to good, but they, they did fine to beat a really, really, really lousy football team. It depends on if I'm grading everyone on an average. Defense, A minus game, fine work. Uh, offense, C, special teams, F, F minus, doesn't matter, terrible, just awful again. So it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> so what's that, a C? Like, no, they didn't play good. They played probably the way but, you but, put but, it. But you know what? That's why I said it's fine because. If you want to give it a letter grade, like a C is going to get you pass the class with a C, Cody. You pass yeah. the class, you get your diploma, you move on. That's and in the case today, yeah, and this is the paper course from North Carolina's basketball program. <laughs> so this is an auto A. You win by sixteen, you cover yeah. the Vegas spread because it's the Rams and they stink. You can give C level work, get your A, and then move on with your life. Overall, no, they did not play well. The defense, some of the things, like there's things you liked. The offense gave up too much pressure, but they were without their left guard, right? So you're like, okay, there's an Aaron Donald's on the defense. Understandable. They got picks though, and they got sacks, and they got, um, they had big pass plays. Mahomes completed it to 10 different receivers, and he seemingly had good and, and inventive plays kind of across the field. And so, yeah, to me, it's, like, it's not like the offense played bad. They played bad in the red zone. They didn't play bad. That would actually be misdiagnosing the problem because they moved the ball all day. Pacheco ran well. They completed to everyone. He had, like, back shoulder stuff to Juju. MVS was getting open. Kelsey was working and had a big touchdown again. So, like, again, it's not like bad is too strong. Bad in the red zone, I can make an argument for, and I know we're going to talk about that in a minute, but, like, as a unit, it's hard for me to put it all into perspective and be like, well, you guys were just awful. And I know I just gave special teams an F minus, which is unfair too, because Butker made all of his kicks. Yeah. Like when I gave the F minus, I was talking specifically of any ability to return the punt, which is just the grade I would give the punt return team on the season. Probably not just individually in this game. They're just not good at returning punts. 
Yeah, you you scan the box score and you'd say, wow, the Chiefs played really well. You had 437 yards of offense compared to just 198. Yeah. You had almost double the amount of yards per play than your opponent did. You had 29 first downs to their 13. Really committed. 29 first downs is so 29 first downs, Cody. You had three penalties. You had three sacks. You had two interceptions. Like those are all marks of a good football team playing a good game, but it's just the red zone. It's if you if you take away the red zone offense, then you're you're looking at a team who played impeccable football. You completed a pass to ten different receivers. There was only one thing to complain about. Well, the red zone offense, and then I guess as an aside, the fact that Sky Moore continues to return punts. So really, it's and this is where the problem is because you could ask yourself a simple question. Is the red zone offense a one game problem or is this a sign of a bigger issue? Coming into the game, they were the number two scoring percentage red zone touchdown team in the NFL. Okay, then can we just stop right there? Can we just stop right there then? Like, what would you, what are you taking? Are you taking the one game sample size in a game where you won by 16 or the other 10 (laughs) or the other 10 games that preceded it? The 10. It's the 10. Andy Reid after the game said, oh, we're a tick off. We'll go back to the drawing board. No, on that 20 to 10 one, like I know people hate when they get cute, especially inside the five and it gets frustrating, which we can talk about why they do those things in a second. But the Sky Moore play, that felt like to me, like, let's have a little fun. Oh, it didn't feel like a oh, weekend score. That felt like a, let's have a little fun. We're going to hand it to this guy. He's going to throw it back to Mahomes. And honestly, if Mahomes throws it right away to Kelsey. It's a touchdown. Oh, okay. He hesitated. So you, you're talking about the Sky Moore play. Let's not gloss over the fact that before that timeout, Paulin Saunders was on the field, Cody. Yeah, he was. On an offensive play. So yeah. that right there, that sequence of we're going to bring in our nose tackle. Uh, the other team, I believe the Rams call the timeout, right? Yeah, they did. So they call the timeout. Chiefs come back out and they're like, no, we're not done fucking around. We got more, <laughs> we got more tricks that we're going to throw your way. And then they have the little, I, I mean, I guess it's... Uh, uh, is that technically a flea flicker? Well, it's since it was a handoff, that's technically a lateral that he's throwing. Uh, so it's yeah. not a flea flicker. It's, I don't know what that, just like a backwards pass, right? To Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. And I, by the way, re, I, I'm dead serious. Go back and watch that play. If Mahomes throws it right away to Kelsey, it's actually a touchdown. He screwed up. Mahomes was <laughs> the person who made the play go back. Yeah. Guy so, Moore yeah. sold it, flipped it back there and did that. But like, it's, but they did those two plays. They did those. So like Andy knew, you know what? We can try some stuff out here because there's two schools of thought, right? The idea that you don't want to show anything in a game that doesn't really mean anything versus this team's so bad that we can try some stuff out just to see if we like it or not. It's very clear which path Andy took, which means I'm not really taking anything away from the red zone offense. No, and that that's it. Look, I'm not going to try to pretend on this podcast that that he's that the Chiefs are good in short yarded situations. They aren't. They're not good at running the ball. There's a reason why they don't just get inside first and goal to five and hand it off four times. They tried multiple times in this game to hand it off in goal to go situations and essentially went nowhere. Right? It didn't. It didn't work. It wasn't working. It wasn't going to work. So sometimes they have to do that. But I I will argue that that guy one was let's just have some fun. The only play in which in the red zone in which I was like mad at them was the Mahomes interception. Cause you're like, what the hell was that? Yeah. Because, you know, like he'll make some like 
head scratchers over the course of a year and you always let it go because of, I mean, he's won 26 straight November and December games and he's incredible and whatever, right? Who cares if he does it? But like that one was, is there like, just curious, how did you see that play working? Because like when he makes, when he makes the crazy throw and it gets picked off or whatever, you're like, okay, I, I see what you saw there. Or like you thought in your brain, this is going to work and it didn't. That was one of those plays. And I'm like, where was, what was, Yeah, help, help me understand. Cause that just looked like the things that we make fun of, like Zach, the Zach Wilson's of the world for throwing. Mm-hmm. You're like, can't throw that. Or Josh Allen here recently, in fairness, like can't throw that. You just straight up can't throw that pass. That's a really bad idea. And so that's the only one. But again, in this game, what a perfect time to get that out of the way, Nick. Who yeah. cares? It didn't matter. They immediately got the luxurious need interception on what was an equally bad throw. <laughs> so so what do you make of Pacheco's usage? Because there was a tweet from uh, someone on Twitter named Andy Hutchins. He said that Pacheco got 11 touches at or within the Rams 27 yard line on three consecutive drives, including eight straight ones on the last drive. And the Chiefs came out of it with two field goals. So was that an instance of Andy saying, let's see what this guy can give us? Or was that an instance of we actually think that he can be useful in the red zone? It could have been like a ploy, you know, like I think Andy does these feeler games sometimes, too, where he's like, all right, we're going to make it look different for our opponent and for everyone else. And when you do that, I think his usage is about like, can we do this? Are we capable of doing this? And honestly, the answer has always been no. The running back is not important. It didn't work with Clyde. It won't work with Ronald Jones. It's not going to work with Pacheco and it won't work with McKinnon. Unless Derrick Henry's kicking down the door, they'll be there. But they they have limitations of run blocking and their ability to do so. They are the number one pass blocking team in the NFL. It is not getting too cute if they throw it from first and goal in the five. It's just not. They're better at that. That is a skill set they possess better than just, hey, Isaiah, run up the middle. They're, they're, honestly, they're doing what yeah. we ask most teams to do, right? Hey, could you just do what you do well? Do what you do and do it well. And, you know, so like, or do what you do best. Like in, in your most dire moment, it doesn't really matter. If it's fourth and two and it's in the Super Bowl and the Chiefs have to have it in order to win it, I want Mahomes throwing the ball, man. Or fourth and one. I want him to have the choice. He has legs. I want him to have the choice. I don't want, I don't want it to ever come down to can't not right now, not with this team. Can they push forward with this offensive line and try to get through? To me, what you're describing it never will. It never will. Like we know Andy Reid well enough to know that, like in a game that matters, in a playoff game, Isaiah Pacheco is is not getting that many touches in the red zone. It'll never happen. Which is fine. Like again, I don't the way we want it to be. Correct. I don't want them ever thinking that that's the better choice. Not that they can never go to it, but that we should regularly go to Pacheco in the red zone. If he gets them fine, but like Clyde had a bunch of touchdowns right before his injury. He'd already set a career high. They threw it to him. That's fine. Like, you know, like they threw one to Pacheco, not in the red zone today, but they threw that like uh, that route, that corner route that we run with running backs and Madden all the time that work constantly. That's exactly what that route was. Yeah. Uh, works less in the NFL, it seems like, but he ran that little corner right out of the back. And Pacheco- you know to that point, you know what's happened the last two weeks is Mahomes has been looking Jerick McKinnon's way a lot. Yeah. Six targets today. Like, he's coming off the back-to-back six-catch games. Yeah. 
So I think there's just an element of we're, we want to get this guy involved. He's not as polished of a receiver as McKinnon or even Clyde was. So let's just do what he does, which is pounding the ball. And the Rams sort of, yeah. see, the, 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 the Rams got kind of chippy in a way. Mm-hmm. Like they were trying to annihilate him. Like almost like, how dare you try to, <laughs> how dare you try to run at us? Now we're just going to try and thump you. It was almost like they were annoyed by his running stuff, but that's how like Pacheco runs. They're like, "Quit running so hard right at us all the time." Because yeah. like Pacheco, I feel like he's gonna be sore. Like I almost feel like there's no choice. Like he took some big hits in this game, and he's probably not gonna feel great in the morning. But yeah, it felt that way. But also, the best news about it: take the red zone out of it for a minute. If they had to close a game with a hard running running back, don't you feel like coming out of that game, Pacheco could do that? He was making them, he was punishing them a little, man. They're getting tired of taking those hits. Yeah, but what was weird about it is it's not like the Derrick Henry effect where he gets better as the game goes on. It, it seemed like the efficiency almost went down in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but it, almost, it, it did feel like the efficiency went down, but it felt like he was taking everything out of the Rams to do it. Yeah. Like the only reason it was going down is because they're like, fuck this guy. We're going to make him stop. And you're like, okay, fine, I guess. If you want to put all your eggs in this basket and stopping Pacheco, then so be it. We don't care. We're fine with that. Nick, there was another player. Pacheco is going to be an interesting player for the rest of the year because with Clyde on the injured reserve and now Ronald Jones active, but nearly not nearly the role that we would expect out of him for the second straight game. We get to talk about a different rookie. Sky Moore. How about that? Well, I know that the wide receiver injuries are playing a factor here because last week it was no McCall Hardman and or no McCall Hardman and no Juju Smith-Schuster. But this time, Juju came back. And I know that McColl and Sky have some similar stuff. And Tony was out again. So it feels like, okay, Tony does the McColl stuff. And now there's no one to do the McColl stuff because Tony's gone. So now we're down to Sky. But honestly, for the second consecutive game, he looked like an NFL caliber wide receiver, which is all I've ever asked him to be. They used him in a multitude of roles. They used him a little bit like that, which means to me, Part of where he is that been this season is I think you can really boil down his rookie year to I can wash it away. It's just a prime of opportunity. I will go into next year and say blank slate for Sky Moore. Show me what level of wide receiver you can be. I refuse to make any preconceived notions about if he can be a one, a two, a three, whatever, until I get to see a full season where he actually gets targeted. Isn't that what that felt like tonight? Like the last two games. It felt like he can have a real role on this team. And it took until there were enough players out of his way to have it. I think if you go around, not just the Chiefs, but if you go around the NFL and you, you look at the usage of rookie wide receivers throughout this, their rookie season, you'll see a lot. And a lot of guys have written about this, that rookie wide receiver usage sees a massive uptick the second half of the year. Which really with Andy Reid, too, by the way, significantly. Yeah, yeah, with Andy, it's probably even to a further extent because just he doesn't play rookies hardly at all, even at the end of the season. You look at this receiver room, it's not the you know most talented room in the NFL, but you've also got three tight ends that you trust a lot. You've got veterans in that receiver room, and you go back to what the Chiefs were forced to do and how they were forced to change last year. All underneath stuff, right? Yeah, defenders are are putting a, a roof on the defense, and they're they're not letting you go over the top, 
the Rams are the ones who kind of started that with Brandon Staley as their defensive coordinator. That's what all we saw today underneath stuff. You don't have to be a polished route runner, even though I think Sky's better than he gets credit for. And he's shown that off the last couple of weeks to, to beat teams across the middle. Like Sky averaged seven yards per reception today. And even though that's not the most efficient game, you know what it does is it gives him confidence. And for a Chiefs team that needs more weapons, like you want more weapons, knowing how teams are going to defend you with Juju and they're going to bracket Kelsey, having more ways to beat you. The Chiefs show that off 10 different guys caught a pass from Mahomes today. And that's without Kadarius Tony and McCole Hardman, both of whom are going to be in that list above guys who are getting in on the action today. And honestly, nobody put up big stats. Kelsey only had 57 yards. Uh, Marquez, 56, 38 for Juju, 36 for Sky, 26 for McKinnon, 26 for Fortson, 26 for Watson, 22 for Jones. This was like, this was the like, what if we had no star players? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they would just had to throw it to everybody all the time. Would we still be okay? And the answer is like, kind of. Yeah. Like, I know that this it's hard because like, I'm going to give you a really small sample size. But if like the last two games of Sky Moore, Sky Moore, then he'd be an 850 yard wide receiver on average. Like that's to me, that is the kind of signs you want to see. But it's the stuff that works with Mahomes that you want to see more. So this is going to sound like it's weird because it's like the second quarter. And can you take that much? But like in the second quarter and a drive that eventually led to a score, because most of their drives did today. I know it didn't feel that way because they kicked so many field goals. But Patrick Mahomes got flushed from the pocket and Sky Moore had to find a little opening. Stop and break his route away. Stop and settle in for Mahomes. And it was a third down play that got converted to a first. That's what you need out of Scotty. The best receivers with Mahomes do that. Juju already does that. Kelsey's been doing it for a decade. But like Sky doing that is even more encouraging than, wow, he ran the correct route and Mahomes hit him. Like Because you're going to have a lot more success in this offense if you can prove you can do those other things with Mahomes. You know, well, I think will make us feel better about the Chiefs offense moving forward is just stop worrying about individual production from anybody other than Patrick Mahomes because it doesn't matter. They are number one in points. They're number one in yards. They're number one in first downs. They're number one in passing yards, passing touchdowns, yards per drive, points per drive, scoring percentage. This is the best offense in the NFL. How they get there doesn't really matter. And we can talk till we're blue in the face about Pacheco's stats Juju only had three catches. What's going on with him? Were they bringing him along? Down game for Kelsey with only, what, four catches, 50 yards. MVS has had his moments where he's kind of disappeared throughout games this season. None of that matters. It doesn't matter. And I go back to what Mahomes said in the preseason, which is like, it's going to be terrible if you're a fantasy player because it's going to be a different guy every week for us. And I laughed and said, yeah, it's going to be Kelsey and Juju and then everybody else. He wasn't kidding. It's going to be a different guy every week, every down, every snap, every play. It doesn't matter. They are the best offense in the NFL. So with a guy like Sky specifically, who you know is being brought along a little bit more carefully than some other guys in this offense, it's not about stats he produces as much as it is like, what role do you play on this team? Are you someone they can trust? Are you someone that Patrick Mahomes trusts can you run the right route can you not screw up the play for everybody else can you be counted on in critical junctures of the game if all of those boxes are checked then i don't care what kind of numbers he puts up just one quick thing on sky which is actually a quick thing on dave tobe if sky Moore returns one more punt the rest of this year 
What are you going to do? He should be taken out to the Arrowhead parking lot and tarred and feathered. Like medieval times. They should take him out there and he should be embarrassed publicly. They should shame him. Put him in the stockades and throw rotten fruit at him. Whatever. Do not let that man let Sky Moore return a single punt. This is not Sky Moore's fault. This is like if me as a parent made my kid go into the, my six-year-old go into work every day as a nuclear physicist. She can't do that job. I should stop asking her to do it. She's <laughs> incapable of it. It's not Sky Moore's fault. He's not good at the job, Nick. They should have never put him in the job, but they tried. He's unqualified, so fire him. It's not a big deal. He still has a job. Just don't let him do that one anymore. That's it. Just not that job. That no more punt returns. Do you think that was the end of it today? Had to be, man. It had to be. Because at this point, you legitimately are better off putting someone back there who can just fair catch. Did you hear Arrowhead cheer a fair catch from Justin Watson today? They cheered, Nick. They cheered Justin Watson just fair catch a football. Yeah, that was like it was like it was sarcastic. Yeah. Seldom do you hear an entire stadium be sarcastic at the exact same time and everybody know what's going on. That's exactly like, oh, good for you. Yeah. (laughs) It's like to cheer somebody doing something so benign and simple as fair catching a a punt. Yeah. How do you think that made Sky feel? Bad, probably. But again, I don't think Sky should feel bad. Do you think he's sitting there on the sidelines like, dude, stop putting me out there. I suck at this. Look, if, if, if Sky Moore was playing center and kept getting beat by Aaron Donald, I wouldn't blame Sky Moore for getting his ass beat by Aaron Donald. I'd be like, hey, man, I don't I don't think Sky Moore should play center. I don't I don't know if you guys are seeing the same thing as me, because that's it. That's how out of place he is. He had never done that job. He didn't do it in college. He didn't do it in high school. He probably didn't do it in peewee. So it's like you asked a guy who had never. That's that's the Kendall Hinton quarterback game. That's not his job. He's he wasn't supposed to be a quarterback. So when he completed one pass in an NFL game because of the COVID stuff, it's not Kendall Hinton's fault. He's not good at quarterback. It's everyone else's fault for making him be in the situation. And I guess in that case, it was Drew Locke's fault for having a team meeting when he was exposed to COVID. But it doesn't matter. It's not the person's fault who can't do the job. Just no more punt returns. I don't think I'm asking. I don't think I'm asking for for that much, to be clear. Anyway, since we're talking about the Chiefs and things to take away from this game, the Sky Moore role, we can talk about moving forward in this, but the Chiefs defense is one that's a little trickier to do. Am I supposed to take away something big from this game? Because I can look at the stat sheet and see interceptions and see sacks. But at the same time, I mean, what what level of quarterback are they facing here? I know McVay is inventive. Allen Robinson's out for the season. No, no Cooper Cup. Matt Stafford might not play the rest of this year. Like, you're supposed to look dominant against that team. I had a hard time coming out of this game and been like, yeah, the defense is still great. I think I wanted to. I mean, I had a hard time hyping myself up. Then if if this doesn't make you feel good, what could have happened in this game to where you'd be sitting here right now saying, wow, that was really impressive? Because you just said it, man. It was Bryce Perkins in it, quarterback. Uh, The leading receiver today, Van Jefferson. Uh, Kyron Williams had three catches for 25, 2 2. Atwell had two for 23. What could they have done against that offense that would have made you come away feeling very impressed? And that, I get that. That's the challenge, right? Is 
They could only go one out. They could only go one way. If that offense would have went off, we would have said, "Well, looks like the Chiefs are frauds." That's the the only way this game could have like changed your opinion on the defense. Here's the most encouraging thing: Um, Karloftis actually got a sack, like in a game, not a pressure, a real sack. And the fact that they got three sacks is going to keep them right near the top five in the NFL. And that is a stat by the end of the season. I'm going to hold very dear because I have done nothing but bitch about the chief's insistence to try to throw pressures in my face only to watch them not sack quarterbacks in important games and lose them because that's when they've lost. Like one of the times they lost to the the bucks because they couldn't protect themselves. But the other two times that they've cost themselves in the postseason of this four run is they couldn't get to the quarterback. They couldn't sack the quarterback when they lose regular season games. They can't sack the quarterback. They might get pressure, but they get away. And I know that I'm like circling that Cincinnati game from last year and they got him this week. So it stands out, but that's just when they lose games, it's wow. They got a lot of pressure and you're like, not good enough. You have to get sacks. And they got three of them today. And Perkins was elusive, right? They, they got, they look, they got what? They got three, Nick, and it felt like they could have gotten six. Like they came up short yeah. in the sack numbers and they still got three. Like, but, I mean, I, they got more pressure than that. I'm going to be honest. I, I know we've kind of been, we've been hinting at this. We've been moving towards this for a couple of weeks now. I think this is a top 10 defense in the NFL. I think this is the best defense Mahomes has ever had. One guy that we have not talked nearly enough about Cody is Legereus Sneed who has been having a tremendous season. I think he's second or third on the team in sacks behind Chris Jones. He just got his first pick of the year, and that's the number we always look at to evaluate cornerbacks and how they're playing. He's got, I think, four forced fumbles. on yes. the season. He's just been so, so solid. And you think about all three levels of the defense, with Chris Jones, with Nick Bolton, with Legereus Sneed. You've got a top tier player at every level of your defense. They are an all pro or at least pro bowl caliber player. Yeah. Uh, Sneed had that big tip away in the flat play today too. They sent him on the blitz and he had to get rid of it quickly. He knocked it down yeah, the way Carlos yeah. Dunlap would knock it down. He still prevented the completion, even though he was the guy blitzing. They sent him on back to back plays. The second one ended up being a completion, but only because Perkins made a really athletic play. Mm-hmm. And a really strong throw. Like it wasn't anything the defense did. It was just a really nice play, individual play by him. But that part of it is different than any. I don't think they're playing. I don't think they're playing as good as the defense was playing the year they won the Super Bowl. But I agree with you that it is the best defense because it's the best pass rush Mahomes has had. There were better pass rushers under Alex Smith. He had like Tom Bahali and Justin Houston, and he had top five pass rush teams, top five sack teams, two stars on it, two like hundred sack career guys on it. That doesn't exist in this defense, except for it does because Dunlap is a hundred sack guy. Chris Jones will be a hundred sack guy. Frank Clark's got 70. Like all you're asking for these guys to be is the medium version of themselves. And right now you're getting the medium version of Dunlap, the medium version of Frank Clark and the, Super Saiyan version of Chris Jones. That sack he got today, he almost took the handoff. He about took the ball from the quarterback, from the running back, before it even got back to him. Like there was no, that was an Aaron Donald play. Like I know that we've said he's playing better than him this year, but that's the kind of stuff you see elite defensive players do. And yeah, Andy Reid said in post game, Nick Bolton's an all pro player right now. And with Legereus Need, and honestly, they've, they've had good safety play. 
it's not all pro safety play, but it's been good. It's been very solid the entire year. There is no true weakness. It's why they've been able to mask so many rookies on it. You know what? I think in another takeaway, maybe not from this game, but it's just another data point and where I think we already were was that this rookie class, which is littered with defensive players. I don't know if any of them are going to be stars. It's obviously too early to tell that, but I know they didn't completely whiff, which may not yeah. seem like it's much of a barometer, but when you draft that many defensive players and you play all of them right away, you couldn't afford to have a bad draft class. And we know now Brian Cook got the interception. George Karloff has got his first sack. McDuffie's continued to play well. You got a lot of players who are playing immediately and they all look like they belong. My my McDuffie hype is only going up, by the way. Played well is he he is in everyone's hip pocket. Every single pass that goes his way, he is literally standing right next to the guy. Yeah. Every time. No one is ever just burning him. He gave up a touchdown tonight because on a switch, his guy didn't cover, right? Like, or he didn't like his guy didn't cover. He didn't get the switch fast enough. When he is on a guy, when it is his job to be on a guy. No one gets past him on the luxurious need interception. Did you see how close he was? Do you see how close he was to that yeah. defender? Like he was right there too. He would have also not let that be complete because he's great. And so like, to me, it's like, it's kind of like how we at the question you had started with at the beginning of the show. Like when we, we had the question of how did they play today? Did they play good? Like defensively, the answer has to be yes. It doesn't feel impressive because of the opponent. Because like you see Miami up 30 to nothing against the Texans in the first half. And you're like, oh, that's what good defense looks like. And you're like, no, they never gave that team a real chance. There was one drive like uh, and this goes back to the first thing we talked about, too, about the game being boring. The one touchdown drive for the Rams was one of the most boring touchdown drives I've yeah. ever fucking seen. <laughs> it shouldn't have been a touchdown, Nick. I was so bored. I was like, oh my God, will they either score or don't? I don't care. Just I don't want Yeah, I was like, I don't want it. Like, I'm I'm serious. Like, I was watching with my wife and I, you know, I'm sitting there and the kids are a little sick. We're sitting, I'm like, I don't want to watch this drive anymore. I don't care what you do in it. Just make it end. Mercifully, make this drive end. <laughs> that was the only Touchdown drive. The Rams had the entire game. That was the only time you could even make a slight argument. They looked passable in offense. So like to me, it's like, yeah, like, there are takeaways from it. It just doesn't feel like it in the moment. Uh, it's time to get to a little thing that we do at the end of every episode after a game. Again, Cody Tap, Nick Short. Kayla's out today. She'll be back on Tuesday. Nick, winners and losers. Winners and losers. That's what we're here to talk about in this game. I'll, I'll let last you go week first. Was, on last week, it was game balls. It doesn't matter. I can't keep track, so I just guess. So we're going to say winners and losers this week. I'll let you start first on winners, and then I'll go first on losers. Does that seem fair? Yeah. Uh, okay, so my winner, you know, I'm kind of, I don't want to double dip here because there's a couple guys we already mentioned that, like, LeJarius Sneed was probably the one that stood out to me the most. I'm going to go with Marquez Valdez Scantling. Full name for the man today, because I thought that wow. was... Marquez, too. Yeah, it is Marquez. Remember that. Uh, I, I thought that was the best he's looked in a Chiefs uniform. He had a couple of just really, really good plays. And if, if it weren't for that pass interference penalty, he probably gets a touchdown on that play in the first half. He finishes with, I mean, nothing that spectacular, four catches for 56 yards, but he was more than just a speedster deep threat, right? He had that, that comeback, that toe tap in the first half that was a really impressive catch. I just thought he played like a... a 
more of a complete receiver than the sort of one trick pony that I think we associate him as. My winner. And that's, that's, it was, you know, what's weird is like he dropped the easy pass on third and three. And then he made that incredible contested catch down the field. (laughs) He is almost exactly as advertised. Everything green Bay Packers. They'd be like, Oh man, I make the crazy catch. It drops the easy ones. And you know, like he's this and it's like, yeah, that's God. That's pretty close. Like you guys were, Pretty close yeah. to how you described it. Again, it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's like, he is those things, and it's easy to get frustrated and say, well, why can't you just give us more of the good stuff? But again, but that's I, who he is. That's who he is. And look at the result. This offense is still the best by every useful metric. My, my winner today is going to be George Karloftis, a man who needed a sack, honestly. I know that I've had to defend myself because I'm like, he has to get sacks. People are like, oh, it'll be fine. We only wanted like four sacks out of him anyway. And I'm like, he has one half of one sack. That's nowhere close to four. He's still only on pace for two and a half on the season based on the rate at which he currently gets them. But it does feel possible that Karloftis could get a few of these, that he could still inevitably get to that number that we wanted to see out of him. And what you mentioned out of rookie wide receivers can be the same thing out of rookie pass rushers. He led going into the week in pressures out of rookie defensive linemen out of anybody drafted more than even Aiden Hutchinson, who had a pretty good game on Thanksgiving day. Like he's good at getting around the quarterback. I wanted to see him actually get the quarterback. So while there were other people who had bigger games overall, the fact he actually got to the quarterback makes him my winner for today. Can I say it one time? Sure. Sure. Georgie, Porgy, put in hi, baby. I tweeted out Furious George and got, I don't know, six people in my mentions, Nick, saying, I prefer Georgie Porgie Pudding Pie. Really? Mm-hmm. I love that. I think we have a cult following. I got to go find your tweet now. I'm going to go. group. I'm going to go retweet. Yeah, but we're, we're tight knit. We're a tight knit bunch. <laughs> you guys are sticking together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so who's your loser? Um, Sean McVay's face. I mean, oh, let's that just. Was mine. That oh, was really? Mine. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it doesn't matter. This is a perfect way to finish it. Perfect way to finish the podcast. It got quite a bit of attention on the broadcast. Rightfully so. Did you see the shot Sean McVay took from his own teammate? Man, sitting on a three and seven record, now three and eight. He's out here starting a quarterback whose name he didn't know two weeks ago. He's like, shit, this guy's on my team. That's a problem. Now he's got to play him in an NFL game. He's up against Patrick Mahomes in what is the most lopsided quarterback matchup of the season. And you're like, well, this sucks. This And instead, just to start the game, his own team, his own player can't even get off the sideline and cracked him. I think that's going to be swollen tomorrow. He might even have a loose tooth, Nick. He didn't have a helmet on. Sean McVay's face wrecked tonight. A true loser of this game. Yeah, and the, the funny thing was they kept referencing the play over and over on the broadcast, and they never once mentioned the player's name. Like, nobody bothered to say that it was Roger Carter Jr., a backup tight end for the Rams, who, by the way, hilariously, did not turn around to check on McVay. So either he didn't care or he didn't realize that he had just ran into his coach. But they, they, <laughs> the broadcast was acting like he got shot. The broadcast oh, yeah, yeah, Sean yeah. McVay might die on the sideline and there's nothing we can do about it, but he's a tough son of a gun. So he's going to keep coaching. It was borderlines of Bruder film. Like they were like, look, <laughs> just look how many times we're going to show you this. Did you, did you see 
Did you see this near murder? Did you see what happened here? What this poor, <laughs> what this poor man is having to suffer. In fairness, think about what a great jawline Sean McVay has and what a crime it would be to society if that jawline were to be impacted. I agree. Couldn't it's, agree. A, it's a fine jawline. It'd be a shit. Like he's attacking a multi-million dollar product here. This is like David Beckham when he insured his legs. Sean McVay wants to be in TV after this. He wants to get paid millions of dollars. He can't have a messed up jaw. That was it. And by the way, that was it. That was the moment Sean McVay decided he's headed to the broadcast booth next. He's three and eight. He's like knocked out by a back of his, his future flash before his eyes. He said, uh-uh, I'm not risking that anymore. Somewhere between that and Stafford's play, this, this would make me want to quit coaching. <laughs> McVay won a Super Bowl last year. Yeah. And this season would be like, this is not fun. When it goes poorly, I don't enjoy this. Yeah, did he see this coming? No. No, no, no. There's no well, the Stafford stuff hurts, right? If you lose your starting quarterback, whatever. They were sitting with him. But he was hurt before, man. He was hurt before. I it's yeah. this was like it's it's so hard because we talk about this all the time in the NFL. And I know this is like we're we're just towards the end of the podcast. We talk about this all the time in the NFL. Because teams kind of get stuck in this, they get stuck in quarterback purgatory. Everybody knows Matt Stafford is not the kind of guy you want to get stuck in forever, right? You like 34 year old Matt Stafford, you don't want to get stuck with that forever, but you want a Super Bowl. So you, you kind of are. And you traded for him because you didn't, you really didn't want to get stuck with golf. Like that was the high school girlfriend and you weren't interested in sticking that out. You're like, no, 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 no. We got to get in a serious relationship with a serious person. <laughs> but there was still like, you never had any long-term aspirations with it, and you were still stuck down the road. A lot of teams get stuck with this. It's the Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, I guess now Russell Wilson phenomena. Did you see that stat? Just I know the fact that they are the lowest scoring offensive team through this point of the season since 2000, a winless Browns team in the year 2000. I'm like, it, I, maybe I thought the, it could go bad for the Broncos. No one could have ever convinced you it was ever going to go that bad. Yeah. And for, you know what, for that, we're, we're all the winners. Yes, we're all winners. We're not, we're not having to do desperation quarterback trades that inevitably fail. Because that's, that happens all the time. And the Chiefs have certainly been in that case. That's going to do it here for It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you get your podcast, we'll be back with you guys on Tuesday. Thanks to Nick for joining me as well. We'll be back on Tuesday. Thanks again. Have a good night.